AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am Gary Grambling, your host. Uh, the the NFL Combine is is underway right now. It is it is going on as we speak, and um, I have a very special guest to to join me. We are not going to talk a whole bunch of Combine, even though, as we all know, uh, it's incredibly important these tests that they do out there. Uh, I am personally putting together a playbook that involves a lot of guys in spandex running in straight lines for 40 yards and, and not touching the ball in any way. And once I can incorporate that into an offense, uh, I think I really got something going. But uh, we're going to talk about some other stuff. And uh, my very special guest is, once again, Andy Benoit. Andy, combine fever, have you have you contracted it? And if so, uh, do, you, do you have the antidote? Um, I, I love the combine, not for the workouts <laughs> at all. I love going to Indianapolis with the whole NFL as here. The entire NFL... Anyone in the league, except for maybe a couple coaches this year, Denver and, and L.A. Rams, uh, they're all there within about a 12-block radius at any given time. So it's it's a great opportunity. It's where I get a lot of my football learning done every year. It's just running around, meeting to meeting. It's, it's a blur, and it's the best kind of blur you can imagine. 
the thing, and I don't want to be a party pooper because obviously everyone should should read our breathless combine coverage of the, of the workouts that that will be on SI.com all week. But um, it just I get a kick out of the fact that they they move the workouts to prime time and they, you know it's this big deal. Everyone watch the workouts and it's like that's the only part of the combine that like really doesn't matter. It's it's the it's the the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, but it's also as far as the prospects go, it's the interviews and it's the medical exams, the the stuff that you will not see at any point. Well, what's interesting is some of the team, like like Sean McVay, is only going for one night this year because he doesn't. He'd rather be scheming back in the office and sitting there in the interview room with these players or you know i think they i think he can, he feels like you can get a lot of this information delivered to you you don't have to sit there and wait on it and that's a different that's a different approach denver is not sending any of their assistant coaches so it's i'm just curious to see if it'll be a different feeling combine in the future that's highly unusual that not everyone because a lot of people it's mandatory to be there for various miscellaneous reasons yes yep well (laughs) i i think we've we've done the extent of our of our combine talk here what the combine does kind of signal is sort of the start of the hot stove season here for the nfl we'll have free agency come out real soon and then obviously it's it's going to be full-fledged draft season after that what we're going to do this week on the monday morning nfl podcast is we're going to look at the teams that had coaching changes on either sides of the ball we are going to address what kind of schematic changes you can expect and also what those teams might have to do with their roster to fit these new uh, schematic changes. Uh, but we have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten teams. Ten teams to discuss. Only five new head coaches, but ten teams to discuss here as far as uh, new coordinators coming in. Uh, Andy, let's just let's get right to it here. All right. We're going we're gonna to start with the AFC, and we'll sort of uh, go down the traditional AFC East, North, South, West, and then NFC East north southwest should you want to jump around to the podcast but um we are starting with miami and chan gailey is back i'm pretty excited about it uh the the old new offense coordinator in miami let's start with that side of the ball uh a chan gailey offense what uh what are the dolphins going to do that looks differently than they what they did on chad o'shea a year ago and uh and then let's let's talk about what they're going to need to do that well i you know O'Shea was in a tough position in Miami because they had some issues along the offensive line. A lot of it was injury-driven. They just had to play guys off the bench and play them in different spots. And as a coordinator, it's hard to get a feel and a rhythm if you don't completely trust what you have up front or you don't completely know what you have up front. So it was it was a little bit of a disjointed offense that that last year for I think primarily that reason the same issues at quarterback they're changing guys in is it Rosen is it Fitzpatrick so th- with Gailey remember he had Fitzpatrick in Buffalo years ago mm-hmm. and oh do I remember yeah I'm sure you do you have, I mentioned Buffalo and now we got to sit back and let Gary talk <laughs> but um I, I, what I remember they did is a lot of spread formations and the ball was out very quickly and they they started very hot and the league caught up to him a little bit after after a couple weeks and this was before spread formations were as normalized as they are now I wouldn't be surprised if you see more of that and, and Gailey's coached in other places since that year in Buffalo I want to say it was a 2011 season that he was with the Bills something like that um 
it was a few seasons there, but that's that's the starting place I think is a spread oriented passing game, and that would fit Miami's wide receivers, Gary, because they have bigger type of wide receivers, bigger bodied guys, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, who they've signed to a long term deal now. Even Gasecki at tight ends, kind of a all tight ends are big body, but he's a long body, he's a tall, long tight end. So those kind of bodies are are well suited in a spread passing game. So the two things I'd ask you about this, and, and by the way, he was in uh, uh, Buffalo 2010 to 2012, in, including a big upset of the Patriots during uh, during the time there. Um, does this alleviate some some of the pressure that's on the offensive line uh, when you run an offense like Gailey's? Uh, or, it, I mean, it's not going to be a good line this year. They can address it, but uh, how crucial is it that they address it? Well, that's a great question. It, it it is it is crucial that they address it. I think some of it will get fixed naturally. We have to assume, it is, and it's actually it's, it's weird because it's the wrong assumption overall. But you still have to assume the guys will be healthy. We can, we can't predict injuries, even though we know it will happen. When you evaluate their offensive line for in and of itself, you know it's it's not the most it's not even close to most talented. It's but it will be better than it was a year ago. Spreading out helps an offensive line because it becomes harder for the defense to disguise what it's doing, and that is more in the coverage sense. But that trickles down a little bit to some of your pass rushing concepts. And where Miami struggled last year was in picking up various pass rushing designer pass rushes, getting guys all on the same page mentally, having blockers all see it the same way they may have less of that to deal with if they're spreading out the balls coming out quickly because the defense is easier to to, to see and digest and uh, the defense also realizes it's not always viable to blitz if you know the ball is coming out especially designer blitzes which tended to take a little bit longer than a regular blitz can so uh, yeah I think there will be an approach to help the O-line and that's something Brian Flores I'm sure he took that into consideration that's why they're they're getting Chan Gailey they you want to play to in some cases to your personnel and around your personnel and that's what a spread passing game can do assuming Gailey hasn't gone somewhere these last five years and learned a totally different brand of football I know it's uh it's funny it's it's a it's a good offensive tackle class coming up for the first time in a long time and obviously they have the three first round picks so they have a chance to address it here but everyone's sort of assuming they're going to take a quarterback um, high up. We'll, we'll see if they do. We'll see if they trade up to do so from that number five spot. But uh, the move from O'Shea to Gailey, I I, I know a, a criticism that was, that was sort of thrown out there about O'Shea is, you know, he's running this Patriot-style offense. It's a very difficult offense for a young quarterback to pick up. Uh, it, does bringing Gailey make it easier? And, you know, should the Dolphins end up with, let's say, a, a, a Tua or, you know, if they go with a, a Justin Herbert-type guy um, coming in from the college game, does a Gailey offense allow them to get on the field sooner? I think, yes, it can in theory, absolutely, because it's it has – more college con just lining up in the spread stuff is going to feel more comfortable to most of those college quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then for the reasons we outlined that helps the offensive line defense has become easier to decipher. That's another reason you, that's the biggest reason you spread out. And uh, other side of the ball, just should mention Patrick Graham is out as defensive coordinator. Josh Boyer is in. Of course, Brian Flores is the head coach, so probably probably not wholesale changes coming to this defense. But uh, um, I mean, it's a it's a rebuild here. Uh, what what do you what would you want them to do with this defense as far as the roster goes? 
Well, they're going to do the Patriots stuff on defense for sure. And that ultimately will mean man-to-man coverage if they feel good about the guys they have and if they can do that. Um, I think their their secondary and their cornerbacks are a little better than people would probably guess. It's it's they they can certainly add a few guys there, but that's the starting place if you're Miami. It's we have to have guys who can play man to man coverage. All right, let's uh, let's go to Cleveland. New head coach Kevin Stefanski, the former Vikings offensive coordinator. Uh, he brings Alex Van Pelt with him. Uh, so so many bills early in the show. This is just wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Look, Baker Mayfield obviously had a a rough second season. There were talks of will he be an MVP candidate? He he definitively was not last season. Um, obviously, no one's giving up on Baker Mayfield at this point. Stefanski ran an offense in Minnesota that that had a a, a poor offensive line. I mean, does this sense make? Uh, excuse me, does this fit make sense as far as what Stefanski can do for Baker Mayfield? Yes, because what you can do, Cleveland's offensive line struggled a year ago as well. And that was, and some of the Mayfield's inconsistencies exacerbated the O-line's struggle. So it was a little bit of a chicken or egg thing. But what Stefanski will do is the same thing he did with Minnesota's offensive line. Okay, we don't have a great O-line or the best pass blocking line. We're going to throw the ball on first and second down out of run situations. They're a play action team. That's what they were in Minnesota. I would imagine that's what they'll do in Cleveland. Now, the beauty of Stefanski, and part of the reason he has this job, is he's been in a lot of different schemes in his career. He's been in one place in Minnesota, but he was he survived three or four different coordinator or regime changes on offense and head coaching changes, which is highly unusual. Uh, I'd love to see the record for number of different head coaches that guys worked for under one team or different coordinators and coaches combined, because I bet Stefanski's near the top in that list there, but he's been in a lot of systems in Minnesota, so he can teach things a lot of different ways. His whole mindset, Gary, the big picture perspective is what does the defense not want to see? And let's start there and make that part of our foundation. And what, I mean, what, what are they going to have to do here? Uh, obviously the offensive line is, is something they're going to have to address. Um, I don't know if you have to address anything else. I mean, assuming Odell Beckham Jr. is still there, they have a nice group of weapons. Uh, you're not going to change the quarterback. Um, nor, nor should you, of course. It, yeah. Mayfield, he, I mean, it was a difficult year. It was a normal sophomore slump kind of year, though. It's not like like I don't, my outlook on him overall hasn't changed. Yeah, it's a still, posi- uh, yeah, positive outlook. Still, still a still a budding star. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, you fix this offensive line. Like like I mentioned on the, you know, we just discussed Miami, plenty of opportunities here to to fix this offensive line through the draft or at least address it through the draft. I don't know if it'll actually fix it or not. Um, I I find this, you know, Joe Woods comes in as the new defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes is out there with the, with the Freddie Kitchens regime. Uh, but Joe Woods, the def- the defensive backfield coach in San Francisco last year, and and obviously we know that defense to be uh, uh, you know a Seahawks style type of thing. They were a little more diverse than that on the back end. But um, how does this fit with the two young corners there, uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams in Cleveland? It fits well because in that Seahawks-style scheme, those corners are still playing mostly man-to-man type of techniques outside. So you still need corners who can play one-on-one on the perimeter. So any defense that has great corners, that's an advantage anymore because really the only scheme 
that hides corners is cover two. And actually, more teams did play cover two last year than ever before, at least not ever before, but in the last several years. Cover two mm-hmm. made a resurgence, but it's not a foundational approach for many teams. I don't expect it will be for Cleveland. So in the NFL, you need to have corners who can play man-to-man even if you're a zone-based scheme on paper. And that's that's they have that in Cleveland. That's why they've drafted those guys high. They understand that. And obviously, uh, look, Miles Garrett is back, so you get your superstar pass rusher back. How badly do they need a second pass rusher? You, you know, you have guys on the inside and Richardson and, and, and Ogan Joby who are, are pretty good. Um, obviously, when we saw that 49ers defense take off last year, it was when Bosa and Ford were both in the lineup. Yeah, and, Bosa, and there's a domino effect because Bosa made everybody else better by the way offenses had to respond to him and all those other first-round talents in San Francisco erupted, really. It's Olivier Vernon's opposite Miles Garrett. That's You'll take that. That's that's better than average, certainly, as a one-two punch. Sheldon Richardson still fl- flashes on film every week, Gary, and he's his talent. You could argue maybe has not always his level of play has not always matched his talent. His level plays pretty darn high, though. His talent's off the charts at times. So it is a good offensive line or defensive line. It's a good four-man pass rush if those guys are all on the field. I don't know about the depth of the pass rush. They probably could stand to add a specialist off the edge. Uh, And that's the kind of thing it'd be interesting to see what a general manager thinks. Can you get a quality pass rushing specialist in the middle rounds of the draft? Or is that such a valuable entity anymore that even though you might view this guy as playing 15 or 20 snaps a game, he's still someone you have to take in the second round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to Houston here. And this is not a major change in that it's uh, look, it's a, um, it's an internal promotion here for Anthony Weaver from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator. Uh, this defense, though, Andy, especially in the back end, just it seems to never be right. Uh, it just seems like it, it is never the sum of the parts. And and obviously, they collected a lot of former first-rounders who sort of had issues in, in other uh, organizations. And so you can't just sit here and say, like, oh, we have three first-rounders in the defensive backfield, which should be great. Uh, you know, some sort of misfit toys back there. But um, it's just been it's been a mess on the back end. Injuries have been a factor with that at times, and there has been some overall inconsistency. When when this defense is right, when everyone's clicking, it, it can be one of the best defenses in the NFL, but it, you're right, they don't always click at the same time. What will be interesting for Weaver to figure out, and really a, a congratulations to him because, quite frankly, not a lot of D-line coaches get promoted to coordinator anymore because it's become such a pass-oriented league, and D-line mm-hmm. coaches tend to be more associated with run defense, even though they're teaching pass rushing probably more than they're teaching run defense. Um, what will be interesting that, that uh, Weaver has to figure out is what do we have at the cornerback position? They have Gary and Conley as, I'm sure, one that they really like, Lonnie Johnson had a tough rookie season. Do they view that as, hey, we asked a lot of them. We don't have the easiest scheme, although they played a lot of straight man-to-man coverage last year. You know, do they, do they are they optimistic on Lonnie Johnson still is what I'm wondering. He was their second-round pick a year ago. He matches up to bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Joseph's on the decline, and he's a free agent. I would imagine they won't have him back. And then Bradley Roby will command a lot of money, and are they willing to invest that? They need to know what they have at cornerback because that's going to dictate what they're able to do, not just what they want to do, but what they're actually able to do. 
Yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll see if they get it right this year. Um, I don't know. I, I thought Lonnie Johnson. I I think they did ask a lot of him. I, I think the fact that they had him running around with Travis Kelsey in in the, in the playoff game, I think that says they have some trust in him. Uh, maybe they just didn't have great alternatives. But uh, well, re- remember though that playoff game, I, I believe Tashawn Gibson was out of the lineup in that game, and he's typically who takes the tight end. So it was they may have felt like they were backed into a corner a little bit there, and, and Johnson. And I, there's a lot of things I liked about him as a rookie. So I would hope that they're looking at the big picture and bringing him along. But quite frankly, he he, he got he got defeated in that matchup by Kelsey several times. Yeah, that's okay. Travis Kelsey's good. Happens sometimes, Andy. That's Sheesh. that's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, we ought to cut him some slack then. It's all right <laughs> that they're eliminated. No big deal. <laughs> Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, let's uh, let's say in the AFC South. Let's go down to Jacksonville. Uh, Jay Gruden, very familiar name to everyone. New offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Uh, third coordinator in, in three years here. Uh, what uh, what are we looking at here, Andy? As as far as what Jay Gruden brings down there, and do they have the uh, do they have the personnel for? I guess we'll get into the quarterback discussion in a second. But do they have the right personnel for a Jay Gruden offense? Well, I, you know, I'm very high on a Jay Gruden offense, and I I think a lot of the personnel, you'll have the right personnel most of the time. Now, he's ultimately, he wants to do an outside zone running scheme, which means, and then the play action off of that. So kind of what Stefanski was doing in Minnesota last year, what Shanahan does, what McVay does, that's how Gruden wants to play. They don't have the most nimble offensive line. It's it's a better offensive line, but it's more of a north and south mauling type of line as opposed to a quick, shifty, dynamic, lateral moving type of line. So how big of an issue is that? What do you do about that? And then you said the quarterback, we have to figure out who we're going to put in there. Those are two big questions that Gruden's going to have to deal with. So it's not an easy scenario that he's stepping into, but... Gary, I would imagine, and I do not know this at all. I don't, I don't, I do not know Jay Gruden. I would imagine he feels really refreshed right now because he's stepping into a situation where it's really, truly all about football. He's not going to have the head coaching responsibilities mm-hmm. and the sidebar issues that come with that job. Not that he wouldn't want to be a head coach if he had a chance to again, but he's got an opportunity here from a personal standpoint to just really get back to pure football in 2020. Who, uh, who do you think his quarterback is? Well, it's if if you believe the scheme can be executed effectively, like if you think we do have the guys to execute, then your quarterback probably in your mind is Nick Foles. If you think that uh, we have some issues, then you might want to go Gardner Minshew because he's got that second reaction ability. The tricky part is you can't make a living on second reaction ability in the NFL, no matter who you are. And Minshew at this point in his career is a little too dependent on that sometimes. So, that's I think I do believe this will be a true quarterback competition. It, it might, but it might not come down strictly to who the how the quarterbacks perform. It could be a, a function of what they have around those guys. If it's a tie, the tie is probably going to go to Minshew. All right, that's fair. Uh, one more in the AFC here. Uh, the Denver Broncos, Rich Scangarello is out. Pat Shermer, the former Giants head coach, is in. Another uh, offense coordinator job uh, for Shermer, uh, for Vic Fangio here. So basically the the offensive head coach, uh, if you will. But uh, what is the difference between Shermer and and what the, uh, what the Broncos kind of had in the Shanahan-style offense with Scangarello last year? Well, yeah, and it was... 
it was meant to be a Shanahan style offense and they never quite found their full identity. And some of that was they had, I mean, they had a lot of deficiencies. Their old line was not as good as people think it was better on paper than in actuality. And then they had some injuries there. The receiving core was thin and their quarterback situation was up in the air a lot of the season. So it was a tough deal for any coordinator. And Scangarello was in his first year ever doing that kind of job. He'd been a quarterback's coach before. So Fangio, the change he's made now, he's turned away from a first-time coordinator and gone to a former two-time head coach, Browns and Giants, who's been a coordinator at several stops. So it appears Fangio wants to just turn the offense over to someone he can trust and say, yeah, you run that. I'm the de facto defensive coordinator here. I'm working on that side of the ball. And it's a big change that they've made in terms of style of coach there or pedigree of coach so Fangio wants to turn the offense over and I would imagine Shermer has a lot of autonomy for what he's going to do and it's going to therefore be a function of what they feel they have in their personnel yeah so what what do you think of Drew Locke at this point obviously we saw he basically got a tryout second half of last year a couple great games a couple shaky games uh big time arm talent Yep. What uh, what's your assessment at this point? Kind of what you just outlined. It's ups and downs. There's a lot to like. You can see why he was drafted where he was and why people talked about him the way they did coming into the draft. Uh, jury is very much still out and how he reads defenses. Can he get to the back side of his reads? How's he process information inside and outside of the pocket? Those are all the things that remain to be seen. And th- those are big questions because those that will dictate what they feel they can do offensively. All right, let's let's uh, let's swing it over to the NFC here. A couple of NFC East teams, three NFC East teams to be exact, uh, made some big coaching changes this offseason. Uh, let's start in Dallas. Uh, Mike McCarthy is in, but Kellen Moore will continue to call the plays here. I, I mean, I'm guessing that means we see something very similar to what the Cowboys ran a year ago. Yeah, I would imagine. I don't know for sure. And that Dallas offense a year ago, when it was clicking schematically, it was a gem to watch. Kellen Moore, I think, will be a lot better in year two than he was in year one. So it'll be interesting to see how much freedom he has to do what he wants to do. My sense given where Moore is and how they want to keep him and given where McCarthy is in his career, I would imagine it will look like a Kellen Moore offense and McCarthy's going to give him some leeway there, which in that case, motions, shifts, defined reads based off of the scheme, stuff that helps the quarterback in a good way. And that quarterback is, has become a full field progression reader and response to that. So and now we get into the Dak Prescott contract thing at yeah. some point, but we we don't need to do that here today. I I, I was going to say you're talking about Dak Prescott or Tom Brady, the next Cowboys quarterback. You think there's a possibility of that? No, you don't. Okay, wow. How about <laughs> no, that? Thing? No, but it it doesn't stop us from writing about it. So I, I think the possibility is greater than zero. I mean, obviously, it's greater than zero if it's any kind of possibility at all. Anything's greater than <laughs> it's a greater than zero chance that Brady comes and knocks on my door tomorrow and wants to sit up here and watch film with me, even though he he wouldn't know who I was. Um, there you go. It's but I was intrigued by the notion of that anyway. All right, we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, other side of the ball, there, Mike Nolan, who had spent the last three seasons as linebackers coach in New Orleans, he uh he's a coordinator again. Uh. What does he do differently than what we saw with the uh, Chris Richard and uh, Rod Marinelli group here? Well, last time Mike Nolan was really running a defense, I believe it was in Atlanta, and 
part of his philosophy there was it, the the old the discussion that we hear all the time now that it used to not be a common discussion not in these terms was can you manufacture pressure and there should you draft cornerbacks who can play one-on-one and then you believe you can manufacture pressure with designer blitzes or do you draft these expensive high-end pass rushers your demarcus lawrence type of guys they cost a lot of money and nolan when he had his say in atlanta and that was 2012 to 2014 that he ran that defense he was of the belief that you can manufacture a pass rush. He and Thomas Dimitrov, the Falcons GM, they they said, give us some guys who can cover and we will scheme it up on our own. They doesn't have that kind of personnel in Dallas. I mean, they have a lot of options. They have because they have guys who can cover. They have linebackers who can run, but they also have the pass rushers up front. Even if they don't re-sign Robert Quinn, I think they need to. It'd be great if they they could. But this might be a reason they they wouldn't. Gary is is they now have a coordinator who says I can draw it up with blitzes, which maybe we, we talked about. Do you take Robert Quinn or Byron Jones? We talked about that a, a little while ago on the podcast. We probably should have factored in the Mike Nolan effect there. All right. Uh, what do they need on, on this defense? It's funny. It's, I mean, look, this, this team last year looked great on paper as far as the, as far as the roster goes. And obviously we, we saw it didn't really translate, but uh, what was the issue that they had on the defensive side of the ball last year? It seemed like they just, I mean, there were weeks where they just didn't really tackle people. And that's a problem. They're an execution based defense that did not always execute well. And the tackling is a big deal. When you play cover three or the zone stuff and keep it all in front of you, you're relying on your tackling almost exclusively to some degree because there are there are scenarios in every coverage, but especially that one where you know that there are four yards to be had here, that we have a soft spot here, we got a weak spot there, but we're okay with that because we're confident that we can tackle and minimize the damage of that. And Dallas was unable to do that. So what do you, the interesting thing is, all right, what do you do with that then? If you ran a simple scheme with really talented players and they just didn't execute it well, how do you correct that? Where do you turn from there? Because the, the answer is, well, they've got to execute better. But that doesn't feel like much of a plan because any jackal can just go around saying you need, you need to execute better. <laughs> so that's, that's, I'm glad I don't have to figure that out. But, um, you know, Dallas, their, their plan might be to really overhaul things because Mike Nolan, he does things – at least historically, he does things a little bit differently. All right, we'll stay in the uh, NFC East team number two here. The Giants, uh, Joe Judge was sort of the eye-opening hire of the uh, of the coaching cycle here. Uh, brings in a very well-known name in Jason Garrett as the offense coordinator, Patrick Graham on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we'll start offensively because Daniel Jones seemed like he was a really good fit in a, in a Shermer offense. Um Wait, I mean, it's it's been a while. It's been a while since we talked about like a, a Jason Garrett off. It was it was Kellen Moore, and then it was Scott Linehan before yeah, uh, before Moore. Great what, point. I mean, what what is what do you think the identity of a Jason Garrett offense is? I don't know because I mean, it's a fascinating point you mentioned because it's a different era of football now. The last time we saw Jason Garrett truly running an offense, I believe it was our first year that MMQB opened, wasn't yeah, it, Gary? Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh, that was the year that Garrett stopped calling the plays in Dallas. So it's 2012 was the last time that he was the play caller. That's eight years ago now. It's a different NFL back then. So I don't know what we'll see from Jason Garrett. He has a, a well, he's got a quarterback that you can theoretically do anything with because Jones can move, and he's obviously a statuesque 
typical prototypical pocket passer in style. So there's options there. It's built around Saquon Barkley more than anyone, mm-hmm. and they're not shimmering with talent at wide receiver. It's an okay receiving core, but they, they don't have that big guy that you fear on the perimeter. They don't have that at, 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 at wide receiver. So I, I can't wait to see what Jason Garrett does because it's almost a blank slate right here. And uh, Patrick Graham goes from Miami to uh, to the Giants here. Uh, it, you know, it, it was James Betcher defense that uh, struggled at times, and and really some 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 of the individual players struggled at times. I was a I was a big DeAndre Baker believer coming into last year's draft, and he kind of got uh, he got torched quite a bit as a rookie, which mm-hmm. it, which happens sometimes to rookie cornerbacks. But um, you know, Betcher was sort of a, a manufacturing pressure type of guy. What what do you expect out of Graham? Do they? Uh, it's funny. It's it's a we've talked. I feel like we talked the last couple drafts, maybe the last two drafts for the Giants about you know like oh they need those classic Giants edge rushers. They need those Justin Tucks, those Michael Strahan's, those. OCU Manuras and and they've just bypassed those guys uh, to go in a different direction here. But um, bringing in Graham, does that sort of lend itself more to let's get some let's get some edge rushers in here? Well, I I don't know because you know Graham was with New England for 2009 to 2015, and then after that he bounced around. He's with the Giants for a couple years and a year with the Packers, run game mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, and then he in Miami last year. So he's been in different spots, but I, you have to believe that Joe Judge hired him because of the Patriot connection. They worked together for a little bit there in New England. So if Graham's going to run a Patriot-esque scheme, then we talk all the time about Patriots. Well, they don't really have pure classic edge rushers. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons for that is because uh, it's cheaper to find interior guys. So they'd rather be really strong there and have multiple options and they believe they can manufacture pressure with their pass rush. That's that's what they did. It's a five-man pass rush when they do that. So that's the theory. What's happening, though, and it's a little surprising this didn't happen sooner, more teams around the league are doing this Patriots type of thing. The, the Dolphins now do it, of course, with Brian Flores. We're talking about the Giants doing it. The, the Lions have done it with Patricia. So one of the advantages New England had was that nobody else was really playing that way. Everybody was going after the edge rushers. So there was a deficiency in the market or an an inefficiency, really. And they could find different guys that fit their scheme. Well, now more people are running the scheme. So the inefficiency in the market doesn't quite exist the same way. So maybe the Giants do want to go for a pass rusher because they have to compete with several teams now to get the kind of guys they want inside. But, you know, Dave Gettleman's running the show from the front office, and he's always prioritized big interior defensive linemen. He'll take edge guys too, but a Dave Gettleman team is strong at defensive tackle. That's one thing that hasn't changed with the Giants. Even with Leonard Williams, a free agent, they have Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson there. So, and B.J. Hill's a, a, a quality starter as well. That'll be with the starting places, what they have with those three guys. I would imagine then, Gary, it's going to be a more Patriots-style scheme, and they'll want big, thumping linebackers and versatile safeties and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I was wondering when I was sort of, uh, you know, building out uh, my own personal mock drafts that never see the the light of day type of thing. Um, do you really it, do that? Do you make mock they, drafts on your own no, like a kid? No, no, but they, they eventually do see the light of day. I, I just put them out on like a random Saturday night sometime in April, and um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if I do it this year. 
But uh, I, the the one guy that sort of when they brought in Graham, the one that guy that sort of stuck out to me was uh you know the 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 Ohio State cornerback Jeff Okuda, who's sort of the uh you know sort of by far the cornerback one in this draft, and sort of a a, a Jalen Ramsey type of guy, you know, big athletic fluid mover. Um, and I was just kind of thinking like, oh, you know, you you want to build a Patriots style defense? Seems like you need that number one corner and. Uh, DeAndre Baker, my my guy, probably not really in that class quite yet. So maybe that's what they maybe they go corner for a second straight year here. And I wouldn't. I I think that logic makes perfect sense. That would not be an issue with me at all. If they could you you could. I it's almost gear. I would say cornerbacks one of those positions you can never have too many good ones. Look at the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. They Marlon Humphrey, who I voted first team All Pro this season as a slot guy, but he became their slot corner. So in nickel. He's not the number three guy, but he's their third corner because they traded for Marcus Peters and they had Jimmy Smith. That's a lot of wealth at one position. It worked extremely well for them. I don't think a team has ever had an issue. No one ever complains about having too much talent yeah. in any one position, of course. But corner with the way, and especially with how tight ends are now receiving weapons anymore, mm-hmm. so more corners can cover tight ends, you could have four first or second round caliber corners and there's an argument that that's not a a bad use of resources that that's still worth the investment with the way the NFL is set up right now all right let's uh, let's go to Washington here uh Ron Rivera is in he brings Scott Turner as his offensive coordinator Jack Del Rio comes in as the uh, defense coordinator but uh, uh Scott Turner Scott Turner Dwayne Haskins marriage we would presume here in uh, in DC uh, you know, Scott Turner, obviously it, lots of work with Cam Newton down in Carolina. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna bring that scheme North to Washington, but, uh, yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you get here from Turner in this offense, especially with a, with a, a young quarterback who was very raw last season? Well, Turner has been in a lot of systems as well in his time with Carolina in the early 20, 2011 season, and then Cleveland and Minnesota, and then back to Carolina the last couple years. And these younger guys, these younger offensive guys that are in their early 40s and their 30s, they really view the game from the standpoint of what are the defense's rules and how can we draw plays that punish them for executing those rules correctly? Make you be right on defense, and then it's going to cause you to be wrong. So Turner, I would imagine we'll see motions and shifts and all the stuff that we see with these other young offensive-minded coaches – It'll be a highly schemed offense, and then it becomes what kind of a teacher is Turner? And it, by all accounts, he's a, he's a good one. I know I've had a chance to spend a lot of time with him. He's been an excellent teacher when I've worked with him or had the pleasure of having him help me. Um, can he work with Dwayne Haskins to make the game easy for him? And how do you communicate that? Complicated offense from the standpoint of the defense. How do we make it easy from the standpoint of the quarterback? That's the challenge, and that's the part that transcends scheme a little bit because you have to explain it in terms that make sense to your quarterback. Yeah. What did you think of Haskins last year? I was impressed with him. Now, I wasn't impressed in the sense like, oh, my goodness, we're looking at the next Andrew Luck or anything like that. But I was impressed in the sense that it was a tough environment that he was in, and he got better for the most part week after week. He There was a steady progression upwards with, with Haskins. And he was t- he played through some pain at the end of the year, which I was surprised that they'd had their first-round QB do that. But mm-hmm. that's one of the downsides of having a staff that knows it might not be here much longer is you, you're just going all in for all right now. Um, 
but I, I liked Haskins overall. And the other one other thing, since we're talking about him, Gary, there was a clip out there on the, the of Haskins telling his offensive line he was yelling with them you know what do I, tell me what I have to do to help you what do I need to do and he was kind of ridiculed for that like oh it's uh, how pathetic you know he's begging for help I admire and I don't know the full context of the clip is a 30 second clip and neither do the people that were making fun of him mm-hmm. uh, but I admired that that's a, a young quarterback saying anything like that to his old line because that's a lot of vulnerability in a good way so yeah. I, I, I just wanted to clear that part because I felt bad for Dwayne Haskins. He didn't deserve that. That was There are a lot of young QBs that would not have the guts to go up to the offensive line and say, tell me what I can do to help you when things are not going well. And uh, that's 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 a nice note, Andy. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Jack Del Rio on the defensive side. We we haven't seen him since uh, 2017 when he was coaching the uh, the Raiders. Um, what does what does he bring? And look, this is a this is also a team. They're picking second overall. Uh, they they've invested in some edge rushers in recent years. They didn't re-sign Preston Smith. Chase Young is is the best player overall player in the draft, and and will probably not go first overall. So they might be able to plug him right in there but um schematically what does uh del rio bring differently to this to this team and uh i don't know i mean let's imagine dropping chase young in there what del rio has always done well running a d as a guy running the defense is play to the strengths of his personnel so it really depends with what he has and he's going to play to that in Denver, he had a lot of talent, so he was able to do a lot of things. He had those man-to-man corners or Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib there for a while, and they became a, a more dynamic defense. Now, they didn't have to do that because they also had DeMarcus Ware and, and Von Miller at times. Well, not at times. They had them all the time, but they were able to just <laughs> play to them, and they just line up and let those guys go get the QB. He's got more of a challenge here in Washington because he doesn't have great corners, but his front seven – his pass rush is potentially loaded with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne inside, and they're tremendous first and second down players, and they're okay as interior pass rushers. And then Montez Sweat is a first-round pick a year ago. I've heard they might not keep Ryan Kerrigan. There's some speculation there if he's going to be worth it. Ryan Kerrigan's still a top echelon or upper echelon pass rusher. He's in that second tier firmly still. And then mm-hmm. what you just described about Chase Young. I mean, that's a lot of first. All of those guys are first-round talents, relatively young with the exception of Kerrigan. So I would imagine Del Rio is going to play pretty straightforward football. It's simple coverages on the back end with cornerbacks who understand that they can be aggressive jumping routes because of what they have up front. Hey, guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma 
delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. All right, we're uh, we're gonna go down to Carolina, and and I'll, 
Andy, on our behalf, I'll, I'll apologize that we're just not going to have a whole lot of insight here. There's a lot of unknowns here with the Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule is in his head coach. His offense coordinator will be Joe Brady, who uh, was a Saints assistant uh, a couple years ago, 2017, 2018. Uh, LSU last year just sort of blew everyone's minds, uh, you know, made Joe Burrow into a into a Heisman Trophy winner and, and was, uh, you know, very highly regarded the college game. Well, we'll see what he is running an offense in the NFL. Uh, and the other side of the ball, you have Phil Snow as the defensive coordinator. He's a guy who uh, spent a couple seasons with the Lions in the mid-aughts. But uh, other than that, he has a long, long resume of, of college stops. So lots of unknowns. I, I, I guess... Let me, well, and the quarterback's me, unknown, too. That, yeah, that yeah, I was going to say. Well. Look, These guys feel like they have a lot of unknowns as well, even though they're the ones that know what they're hoping to do. Let's philosophically turn to the quarterback. Let's imagine uh, – let's be optimistic and say Cam Newton. I mean, you know, Cam's never going to be as healthy as he was in 2015. You're you're not going to see that version of him most likely ever again. But, you know, 90% Cam Newton, a, a guy who can do something similar to – uh, maybe what they did in the first half of that 2018 season when they got off to a nice start and then he got injured and everything sort of fell uh, fell apart. Do you even <laughs> do you keep Cam Newton in Carolina to 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 basically be the quarterback of this rebuild? Uh, or I guess he's probably not your quarterback of the future. But at the same time, do you look at it and say like you know we might not be ready for our quarterback of the future right now? So. Uh, Cam can play. Let's let's put him back there. Let's have the season we're going to have, and let's bring in the new guy uh, next year. Well, or they could say, why even waste any part of our rebuilding process on a guy who we don't think will be here beyond this year with Cam Newton? I mean, there's you can look at that in either direction. They clearly can play the long game here because of the contract rule has and what owner David Tepper has said. Mm-hmm. They've got time to build what they want to build, so that which makes it all the harder, more difficult to predict what they're going to do in 2020. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule and Baylor was a spread offense guy, but that's I've heard that's not what he's likely to be in the NFL. He's more of a traditional run the ball. It's established that kind of identity type of coach. Brady, if he has Saints virtues to him, will be all for that because the Saints, we think of them as this wide-open offense, but they're really not. They're just an efficient, prolific offense. That does a, they do a lot of traditional things at high levels. Uh, they take traditional things and do them at the most advanced of levels. So two backs on the field, multiple tight ends. On, they play out of traditional looks, and then they're just great from there. But they've had Drew Brees running that show. So they, of course they can do that. They don't know who they have running this show, which makes it harder on Brady. We're talking circles, Gary. I mean, this is a complete guess game at this point. We we need to see their personnel first. Yeah, it feels like a like an all out uh, hit the reset button type of thing here. And, well, it might be time um, for that. It, it might be Luke Keekley just retired. You described what's going on with Cam Newton. Yeah, it might be an appropriate time to do that. It's in you know Bruce Irvin's a free agent. Mario Addison's a free agent. Uh, James Bradbury is a free agent, their best corner. I mean, it's, it might, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a rebuild type of thing. Yeah. So sad. Mid 2018, this team looks so, uh, so, so promising and just really neat. But yeah, that's the way it goes. 
let's uh, let's go out to the NFC West. This is our last team here, the Los Angeles Rams. They do bring in Kevin O'Connell as as an offense coordinator, the former Washington uh, sort of sort of a, a hot name on the on the coaching circuit the last couple of years. But we don't expect major changes on the offense side of the ball. Defensively, Wade Phillips out. Brandon Staley is the new defensive coordinator. What uh, what do we expect to hear, Andy? Well, Staley is a Vic Fangio guy. And I know McVeigh has a lot, and he has said this time and again at press conferences, he has a lot of respect for Fangio. And Fangio really cleaned the Rams' clocks a couple years ago on Sunday Night Football. And I think that opened some eyes across the NFL. And how, we, we talk about Fangio all the time on this show and how good mm-hmm. they are with their disguises and their blurry looks. Now, what's interesting, and, and Fangio, he plays two safeties back deep. He wants to have some talent at the edge positions, which is the position that Staley was coaching for with Fangio in Denver and then before that in Chicago. The Rams are a little bit different in some of their personnel. They have Jalen Ramsey, so they have a great Mm -hmm. cornerback. You don't typically play two deep safeties when you have a guy like that. That's one of the reasons you go out and get a guy is you want to be a little more diverse with what you can do with your safety. And Fangio never had great corners at really any of his stops in any of his spots. And he's got one in Den. He had one last year in Denver, Chris Harris. But they've had he's had to scheme around the cornerback position, which is partly how his scheme has come to be. Staley's not going to have to do that so much. So how much of what we see from Fangio will be there? And Staley's a tremendous teacher on that stuff, and it's a complex scheme. And how much will we see just the Rams playing to their talent and their most talented guy happens to be Jalen Ramsey? And I don't know the answer to that one. And they don't know it either right now. They're still, they're still trying to figure it out. That's why these guys aren't going to the combine next week. Or this yeah, week, I, was, I guess. I guess combine's going. What, uh, I know I'm, I'm talking about a very specific play, but. Do you remember the the play in Week 16, the Saturday night game, the uh, uh, the blown coverage at the end of that game that that cost them against the 49ers, and and there was a there was a lot of uh, um, you know Jalen Ramsey gesturing towards Taylor Rapp type of stuff in the defensive backfield. Um, was that was that a fluke sort of one-off type of thing, or, or were there some serious cracks with this defense last year? That was, I mean, it was a really good defense two, three years ago. It was. That was, I mean, that kind of thing with, when you're talking blown coverages, that was more, uh, that was a little bit fluky. This wasn't a team last season that that struggled with with blowing coverages or anything like that. They just were highly inconsistent for a variety mm-hmm. of different reasons. Uh, but I know they want to, I'm sure they want to diversify and the play you're talking, I think was that Sanders 46 yards on third and 16. Is that the way you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And and rap, who's a really good player. It was, it was very effective for, he is a, he's a better box safety than deep safety at this point. And you know, he was in cover two on that one and he just got way, he misplayed it. He got way too wide in his cover two. It's one of those rookie plays. In fact, I bet if you asked Taylor rap, what's your, it's a little misleading. Greg Cosell and I had this conversation. You're welcome to the NFL moment. The one player, the one situation where you know all of a sudden you're in the NFL. That probably wouldn't quite be his welcome to the NFL moment because it's it's a mistake he made. But that that was his defining rookie year moment, his tough experience yeah. as a rookie that he'll learn from. And I would imagine he's not going to have many plays like that in his career because he's a really good player. So um, blown coverages were not the issue so much. I think the Rams just want to be a little bit more 
dynamic and modernized with what they're doing defensively. And that's not a slight at anybody. That's more of a compliment towards Brandon Staley and the respect that McVay has for that philosophy that Staley comes from. All right, that's a uh, that's a wrap for this show. We have uh, Albert Breer as well as Jenny and Connor, the Weak Side Podcast guys. They are all going to be on the ground in Indianapolis with uh, all your you know not not just combine news, free agency stuff, all that uh, all that good hot stove stuff that's coming up. But uh, for now, I just want to. Uh, Thank Andy Benoit once again for uh, for joining our show. And uh, Andy, I, I guess this is a uh, goodbye for now. So long. All right. The MMQB Monday Morning Podcast is me, Gary Grambling. And once again, special thanks to Andy Benoit for joining me for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire line of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. From football playoffs to basketball madness, 
TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com.